I'm Marco Werman, and this is The World, a co-production of the BBC World Service, PRI, and WGBH Boston. The political turmoil in Yemen over the past year has proven to be a bonus for al-Qaeda. The terror group's local affiliate, al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, has taken advantage of the chaos to win control of parts of the country. This despite U.S. drone strikes that have killed some of its leaders recently. Yesterday, in his speech defending the use of drone strikes, White House counterterrorism official John Brennan admitted that al-Qaeda remains strong in Yemen. Gaith Abdullahad is a reporter for The Guardian newspaper in London. He's just back from visiting southern Yemen, and he says al-Qaeda fighters there are no longer confined to their mountain bases, as they were during his last visit in 2010. Now in 2012, they are down in, into the coastal areas. They control cities. They control towns. I drove from Aden to Shabwa, a few hundred kilometers. The road had their checkpoints on the road. So they, they have a bigger influence at the moment. They're down in towns. They, they run social services. They've abolished taxes. They provide electricity. So they have far more influence. So I don't know what influence the drones have in the past two years. Military speaking, they, have, they are much stronger than the Yemeni army at the moment. As long as you're talking about those checkpoints, uh, you describe in your story for The Guardian how on one journey you traveled through eight or nine jihadi checkpoints. What is that like? I mean, checkpoints are notoriously corrupt little situations. <laughs> They are corrupt little situations, but then at the same time, checkpoints are the symbol of authority in the Middle East. So by them manning checkpoints, planting their flags, manning the checkpoints with a lot of gunmen, they are trying to tell you, the jihadis, that we are a force on the ground, that we are a state, we have our own security services, and we are doing exactly what a state would do. So that's that's the strange thing of having jihadi checkpoints. You know, when I was in Iraq, when I drove through Afghanistan and Somalia, when you see the black flag, this is a sign of death for you as a journalist. Mm. You know, this is end of the game. Yet there, they use these flags to have checkpoints. They don't stop you. They don't take bribes. They let you pass. They just search for weapons in the cars. And they're trying to, to give this feel that we're different from the days of Iraq and Afghanistan. Now, you spoke with jihadis in southern Yemen when you were there. Why are they fighting? What did they tell you? What do they want? Well, it's the same combination of old, you know, this, the same old rhetoric that you hear in Afghanistan and Iraq and Somalia, uh, fighting for Sharia, fighting for Islamic State, fighting for justice, fighting the Americans, the invaders, and, and all the same old rhetoric. But one of the guys I was talking to, he said, we want a state of institutions, a state of services. He talks about democracy. So their rhetoric has changed. They're talking about democracy. Not about democracy. They hate democracy, but they talk about the state of services and institutions. They refer to democracy. They refer to the Arab dictators as a creation of Western democracy. So, so they oppose democracy. Uh, the way they speak, the way uh, their rhetoric has totally shifted post-Arab uh, Spring and post-Arab revolutions. Now they are not talking with the same, you know, they have the same words that came from the old rhetoric of Afghanistan, of the mountains of Afghanistan. But put in a new context as if all what's happening now in the Arab world is sort of their achievement. They've started the revolution. Now mm. the masses are... are so they, they are using this new rhetoric. And again, they are different because they are more dangerous on the context on the ground because in the old days, they were again back in the mountains. They had no contact with the locals on the ground. Now they have, you know, contact with the locals. Now, again, they rebrand themselves as 
as a state. Are the locals under their sway? Do they do they accept what they're trying to do? They're not trying to get into confrontation with the locals. They've allowed the locals to chew cut, smoke, listen to music, and they say gradually we'll ban them from doing these things. So they are much smarter. Set the scene for us, Gaith. Uh, what does southern Yemen actually look like? In general, it's it's a huge, big country, predominantly desert, mountainous, you know, feuding tribes. And in the middle of that chaos, Al-Qaeda has found a footstep. And from there, they kind of emerge as a, as a major player now in the south of Yemen. And Gaith, just finally, I'm curious to know how the people in southern Yemen kind of reacted to you as this journalist working for a Western news organization. They have an, an insurgency going on. And because of that, they really welcome any journalists visiting them. They want to tell their stories to the state of their the revolution. The jihadis is a different uh, story, of course. Like everywhere else, you need to go with you know local context, people who, who are from the area. You need uh, a sort of someone to vouch for you to kind of guarantee your safety when you're driving th- through their lands. But again, the jihadis are more sophisticated jihadis than the jihadis of uh, Somalia, for example, or uh, Afghanistan. They have a press office. They have a a media organization. In one of the towns that I visited, they have a sort of uh, a hut on the side of the road with two kids working on a computer, uh, copying sermons of Awlaqi, the preacher, and sermons of bin Laden and and handing it to to the people. So they are trying to show themselves in a more sophisticated light than the jihad in, in Iraq or in Afghanistan, for example. Gaith Abdullahad with The Guardian newspaper in London. Thanks so much. Thank you.